I searched this guy up on Google on like the eighth page of Google. I found that he was on this podcast. It was this like obscure podcast and I LinkedIn connected with him and added a personal invite note telling him what I thought about the podcast um, and that I would love to speak with him more on that topic in particular. And I approached that message not wanting anything from him. It's like, I feel like a lot of the time students will ask for things directly from people, but you have to think about it as building a relationship. I ended up hopping on the phone with him. He agreed immediately and was like, wow, I didn't know that anybody even listened to that podcast. We were supposed to talk for half an hour. We ended up talking for two hours. And at the end, he was like, I want to connect you with Nike Europe. Hello, and welcome back to the Will Now What podcast. I'm your host, Savannah. Are you looking to learn how to better network online so that you can connect with your dream mentors? At only 22 years old, today's guest has mastered the art of online networking and is closing the gap between bringing female mentors and young innovators together. Michelle Kwok is the co-founder of Flick, the female laboratory of innovative knowledge. It is a community hub for female identifying innovators to accelerate their career in companies. Through their female founder and apprenticeship portal, exclusive Flick interviews and engaged community, women are elevated to success. In this episode, we talk about why she no longer decided to pursue a career in medicine and how she was able to connect with top entrepreneurs from Nike to Forbes under 30 leaders and more. I hope you enjoy this episode. I'm here with Michelle Kwok. She's such a talented young lady that I truly admire. The work that she's built up with Flick is absolutely inspiring. I really believe that she's on the way to becoming one of the driving forces in supporting women and other young change makers around the globe to strive for greatness and to leave a lasting legacy. So mark my words, you will see her in Forbes 30 under 30 list. So Michelle, could you share your story? I know you attended Western for medical science. So how did you get into that? Um, I think when I was growing up, it was kind of expected of me that I was going to become a professional in some sort of sense. It was either be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. I didn't really even know that there were any other career paths. And so I, I remember one of my very, very early birthday gifts my parents giving me a stethoscope and a stack of anatomy cards and they go Michelle you're gonna be a doctor and at that point I hadn't really made any decisions for myself I was like I guess so I mean I'm good at math I like it I like science and I ended up just taking every single advanced like science math course across high school and going from high school to university I really didn't think that there was any choice it was like I'm going to only apply for science I can't do anything else at this point I had done medical research at Imperial College London I'd spent all my summers doing kind of like medical research research assistant stuff and so I went into medical science and my family's really happy about it you know they they were like she's well on her way to becoming a doctor well on her way to going to medical school it was one of the more rigorous programs at western and year after year people get weeded out and i just kept getting back into the program it was tough because there was this like cognitive dissonance of me not loving school i just felt like i was kind of stagnant i didn't know what i was learning i was doing well in the courses it was me not understanding how can you be doing well in something but not love it and I think that was like a really really pivotal part of me understanding my own path because I not enjoying my courses as much as I wanted to I ended up going out to find other opportunities and accidentally 
developing this like entrepreneurial side because I was always searching for something that I loved more. And I felt like everybody around me in the medical science program knew that becoming a doctor was what they wanted point blank. It was just, there's no other choice in their life, no matter what they were going to get into medical school. And I just didn't feel that way. I knew that medicine could create a huge impact. And I still believe that. And I still do want to do something with my medical science background. But I felt like I could create a larger impact at the time with my skill set in another industry. So I started creating events. I, uh, along with some other entrepreneurial friends, as I met them along the way, we created a series of events around North America that highlighted mental health, social entrepreneurship, and helping Gen Z strategists take on the world's biggest issues. Issues. Uh, we ended up partnering with like Headspace, Uber, Bumble, a, a bunch of big brands that gave us the time of day because we were creating something of impact. And I realized that you don't have to be a doctor to do something great. You don't have to go into healthcare or medicine to create this large social impact and leave a legacy. So I ended up leaving school and instead of taking doing my thesis in Bachelor of Medical Science in my fourth year and started my com- company instead after graduating from a startup accelerator. And you went into Next Canada. Could you explain what that is? Yeah, it's hard to put into words, to be honest, but it was one of the biggest catalysts for my entire career because before that, like I said, I had only thought of pretty much three different avenues, doctor, lawyer, engineer. I just couldn't be an engineer. I didn't love physics and didn't love that kind of math. And so it was like up to being a doctor or lawyer. And when I was in medical science and taking all these random opportunities, like this time that hail iced tea uh, was a really big thing in BC and they were expanding to Ontario. So I offered to help them build out their ambassadorship program, create social content for them, ended up coordinating social media, um, creating ad campaigns for them. And so I really developed this entrepreneurial side and then ended up helping managing a marketing agency in Vancouver while I was at Western doing schools. So I met these entrepreneurs along the way and everybody kept on being like, you should apply to this program. It's called Next36. And I still didn't know what Next36 was. It was kind of explained to me as a founders development program. It's a program for high impact youth entrepreneurs across Canada. They choose 36 of supposedly the top young entrepreneurs in Canada. Usually they're just out of undergrad and they, we all moved to Toronto after we got selected. We all moved to Toronto, lived together in a building. Uh, you get a co-working space where everybody works together. People form teams within Next36 to start their own companies. And then they throw you in classes with Harvard business professors, MIT professors, U of T. And then at the end of every month, they basically put you into the dragon's den where if you have a business, you pitch it to an investor. And in between all of those pitches, you're supposed to be building your business in the co-working space with the rest of your team. And a lot of the time people will like switch teams. And that's what happened to me. I I went in with a co-founder, came out with another one, but we're all still friends. (laughs) So how did you start Flick? Could you tell the story about that and what it is for people that don't know? Yeah. So Flick is, it started out as just a media outlet. We really wanted to meet female founders and leaders and mentors. It was really difficult to find um, female entrepreneurs within the Next36 program to help us out. 
So to meet with them, we created this like cold email template. We incorporated a business, called it a media company in 48 hours, created a website and then sent out these emails because we were like, these people aren't going to want to just copy chat us for 15 minutes. They have no idea who we are. Let's just say that we're going to interview them. And we ended up interviewing a ton of these women. We sent out all these emails and everybody said yes. Like even Ariana Huffington emailed us back being like, when you're in New York, let me know. I'd love to do this interview. Uh, and we got invited to watch like Michelle Obama speak and cover her talk and stuff like that. But we realized more and more that a lot of the young females reaching out to us, reading our content or watching our content would say, how did you meet these people? I didn't even know that some of these founders existed. I didn't know that there were female entrepreneurs in AI. I didn't know there were female entrepreneurs in tech. And so as we were talking to these female founders as well, they were saying that they needed help scaling their businesses. Some of them were lacking capital, but they also really wanted some good talent that understood their business through and through. So we were thinking, why don't we just connect these people? Um, and so from a media platform, we ended up pivoting into this apprenticeship platform that we are today, where female founders and leaders and female students can hop onto our platform, connect, browse, discover each other, and then work together via meaningful apprenticeships. So female students can gain valuable experience and skills training under a mentor in an industry that they're interested in. And mentors, so the female founders and leaders, are able to get helping hands on their businesses and also get early access to these amazing, ambitious, talented candidates because we do actually vet both sides. We make sure it's not about like what school you went to or what degree you went to. But for us, it's really showing that you have that drive and that ambition to do something better and to create your own future in the way that you want it to be. So it really resonates with me to have apprenticeships because I pretty much created apprenticeships for myself to learn business, to learn about marketing while I was in school. And if I didn't have those opportunities where I could train under a mentor, work under a mentor, I would have never honed the skills that I had and gotten the confidence to even apply to a program like Next36. Um, so yeah, we have like over... 1100 people applying to our platform today we have over like almost 3000 people on our newsletter um we haven't even started thinking about ads or anything like that yet it's really just been organic growth which has been amazing so yeah that's a little bit about what we do yeah that's amazing so what is your role right now it's like and how big is your team like are you managing managing all this on your own or what are you doing it it is never a solo journey <laughs> i don't even know how to explain what I do because I do everything that needs to be done pretty much. I guess I do most of the media and the marketing. I do a lot of the front-facing stuff. So I go and speak at universities. Obviously, I can't do that now, but I, I used to go and speak at universities, co-working spaces about diversity, inclusion, networking, and really get the word out there about us. I uh, create partnerships with organizations. I pretty much like just whatever comes up. I answer every single LinkedIn message I get. I answer every email that we get. Uh, we're working on product development. So I do that along with my co-founder. We have some girls that are working with us part-time right now to help us out with finance, marketing, and outreach. And then we also have a CTO who's been one of my best friends for a long time. Yeah. So is this your full-time job? Like, are you getting a salary out of this or have you had any funding for this company or what do you, what else are you doing in your day-to-day? -day? So we're really bootstrapping it. In terms of funding, we've secured a few grants that keep us afloat. At this time, me and my co-founder are both just 
so ingrained in the company and we don't, we're not taking a salary until we start generating a larger amount of revenue. We are like a very early startup and a lot of people who are bootstrapping just try to live by within their means. And that's what we want to do to create the largest impact. It doesn't make sense to us, for us right now to take money out of the company because this is the point where it's a critical growth stage. How do people sign up for this? Like, is it completely free or they just have to put in their emails and then they can start finding, they can get matched with a um, founder? It will, yeah, it will always be free for students. For us, it's about accessibility of practical education. Um, so yeah, they can apply on our platform, weareflick.com. You can check out any of the info. It's like we are and then flik.com and check out any of the info, click access to the beta portal because we are still in beta. It's our early stage platform. It's like our very MVP platform. And then if you click sign up, you sign up as an apprentice, you put in all your details and usually within about 48 hours. I do the manual verification and approval status of uh, the apprentices and founders. So you'll usually find out within like 48 hours. And I know that you are like the networking LinkedIn queen. So could you share some of your tips on how you succeeded connecting with top entrepreneurs? I remember in our previous conversation, you said that you matched with like someone super high up in Nike. So do you mind just yeah sharing a few tips that you have with networking? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I think the greatest hacks ever are finding your niche within virtual networking because it's so easy to scale. You don't have to go out and talk to people at all. You just have to find out a lot about them. And the great thing about right now is that students have so much time and I would take so much time. I would look at for like I said so with that Nike example I looked at Nike I looked at what I was interested in I was interested in digital marketing or just marketing in general so I found the digital marketing director I found the marketing director and like the brand partnerships director of Nike I looked at all of their social medias to see where I could find like some baseline interest so that that baseline interest could be your favorite player Stephen Curry for example or your favorite player is Kobe Bryant and you could integrate that into your very first message with them. For me, I searched this guy up on Google on like the eighth page of Google. I found that he was on this podcast. It was this like obscure podcast. I listened to the whole thing. It was like a 30 minute podcast and I LinkedIn connected with him and added a personal invite note telling him what I thought about the podcast. Um, and that I would love to speak with him more on that topic in particular. And I approached that message not wanting anything from him. It's like, I feel like a lot of the time students will ask for things directly from people, but you have to think about it as building a relationship. I ended up Hobby on the phone with him. He agreed immediately and was like, wow, I didn't know that anybody even listened to that podcast. We were supposed to talk for half an hour. We ended up talking for two hours. And at the end, he was like, I want to connect you with Nike Europe. He was like, what do you, he didn't even know what I did in school. He was like, you do like marketing in school, right? And I was like, no, I am a medical sciences student. And we ended up just having so much to talk about that wasn't me asking for anything. I didn't say, I want an internship. I want a job here. I just want to get to know more about you and how you got to where you are because you have to take every single networking opportunity as also a learning opportunity and come with it from a lens of how can I bring you value, not how can you bring value to my life. Uh, so definitely 
that would be a big thing is that how can you bring value to the professional? Make sure you're not wasting their time. Make sure you've done all the research. So I did all the research behind every single person that I had reached out to. I made sure that I knew where they went to school, what they went to school for, so that it didn't seem like I was just randomly talking to them. I I talked to this guy because he went to Western also. He also had like a similar bachelor of science and then switched into marketing. And then he went and got his MBA. So I asked about like, why did you do your MBA? And so you have to tailor your questions based on that person. So they, they know you did your research. Um, they, they are the busy ones. So how can you maximize their time? Uh, another person I had looked and realized that she was like a direct director at this company as well that I was interested in. And she didn't use LinkedIn that much. So I was like, oh my gosh, if she doesn't use LinkedIn that much, she's probably not going to find my message. How else can I reach out to her? And I ended up Instagram DMing her, but in a really professional way, as if it were on LinkedIn. And I explained why I had Instagram DM'd her and she loved it. She was, uh, she was like, wow, nobody has done that before and gone out of their way to find me on Instagram to send me a nice note like this. I'd love to hop on the call with you. So really being able to find the ways that you think are going to be the most reasonable of contacting that professional, how can you bring back value to them and make sure that you do all your research prior to it. And if you're talking to them, talk with a purpose and not like, don't expect them to lead the conversation because you're the one that they're taking time out of their day to talk to. Yeah, those are some great tips. And how do you deal with like self-doubt when you are talking to these entrepreneurs and they're in these super high positions and you're just a university student? So how do you gain that confidence to show them that you can bring and maximize their value? Well, first things first is you have literally nothing to lose, right? If you're a university student, this person you're reaching out to, they're either going to say yes to talking to you or they're going to say no. They say no it doesn't hurt you at all. They're probably not going to remember you. They're not going to go their way to be like, Oh, I never talked to Savannah before. And you know that like, that's, that's not going to be a thing. If they say yes, then the confidence is behind the work that you do prior to the call. And me going into the call, I knew that I knew everything about this person. I, I had questions prepared. I had backup questions prepared. I would even think about the way that I want to frame the conversation at first. At the very, very beginning, when I was first reaching out to people, I would literally write out, like, what are the first three sentences I'm going to say so that I can set up the call the way that I want to? I would definitely suggest start talking to professionals that are maybe not as high up first so that you can kind of get a sense of how the flow of the conversation should go or how you should be speaking to these people or how to best articulate yourself. And then the more that you talk to random people, the more that you will be confident in the next conversation and the next conversation. Um, and then you won't have to be as prepared. But at the very, very beginning, I was extremely prepared. I was obviously nervous. I would literally dress dress nicely, even though it was just a call and not like a FaceTime or anything like that, so that I could be put into a certain mindset. And do you follow up with all your connections? And how do you manage that? Because I know that you, have, you must have so many connections now just with your 
your business as well. So how do you maintain that relationship? Yeah, you have to follow up every single time. Every single time I get off a call with a professional, I send them a message within the day, if not within the hour. If I, if I don't have time, I'll wait a little bit and then send them a really detailed, like nice message at the end. And that goes a long way already because just saying thank you for their time acknowledges that they are a very busy person and you, and they went out of their way to talk to you and you appreciated it. Mm-hmm, right. So how are you balancing all this? Like I know before you were going to universities to speak, you're managing a business and you're also trying to be social. So yeah. What are, what have been like the biggest challenges for you as like a young entrepreneur? Mm, I think the biggest challenge was the social part, but I think before all the self quarantine stuff happened, I was almost burning out a little bit because I was speaking at universities. I was traveling a lot. Also, I'm finishing one last course for my breadth requirement at Western. It's like an English children's lit course. And I was also running Flick and I was doing all these random things on the side to for like our grant stuff or applying for accelerators and all these things that you don't really think about. So I would wake up at like 6 a.m., so that I could still work out. I would still work out every morning, but I got more and more tired every day. But I, I, I would work out every morning. I'd work until like 10 p.m. So I was like 11, 11.30, go to sleep and do it all over again. And I think that the quarantine for me has actually been a really good thing to rethink my life and how I, I would want to structure it and giving myself grace for both physical and mental health. Uh, so I can't say that I've really managed balancing it perfectly. Oh, for sure. It's really difficult to balance all those. So what's the future for Flick? There's a large vision. I guess I'll just share the large vision because why not? Within the next like three to five years, we definitely want to globally expand and have a foothold in large untapped markets like India and China and Africa and expand exponentially beyond North America and be able to really globally advance women's economic participation. And then after that, I think one of our biggest goals is to start a venture arm of Flick so that we can support underrepresented founders and especially for apprentices who are entering apprenticeships. They hopefully will become entrepreneurs and we can really be there with them step by step throughout their journey. So they start out as apprentices, they become entrepreneurs, and then we're able to fund them. Uh, After we start the venture arm, I think we really wanted to start this thing called Flick House. So they're co-working spaces for female-led ventures. um, And they also have a lot of amenities for moms who are entrepreneurs. I think a lot of co-working spaces kind of lack that. So a lot of moms have to lower their productivity so that they can work at home and take care of their kids. And then I don't know. There's really so much room to grow in all three of these areas, like the apprenticeship portal, the co-working space, and the venture arm. I think we just want to be able to find out at that point how else we can continue supporting women and underrepresented founders. Yeah, that's amazing. And or who's been some of your favorite or like coolest founders that you've been able to connect with and get on Flick? Oh, uh, I think one of the first ones was Kim Kelp. We ended up going to New York to interview her. She's a Forbes earning under 30 for 
music founder. And she works with like Justin Bieber, ASAP Rocky, um, John Mayer, and all these cool celebrities. I think we were really just like starstruck by her because we had followed her on Instagram for a while. And she runs this company called the Superfan Company, where she helps um, where she helps celebrities and musicians create superfans through their merchandise. So everything from like VIP experiences to special t- special T-shirts and stuff like that, she creates for them. And she meets up with them one on one. So after after the interview with her, she ended up being like, "Okay, so I have like a meeting with John now." We're like, "Oh, who's John?" And she's like, "Oh, John Mayer," you know. <laughs> crazy <laughs> um yeah i think she was super cool yeah that's so cool and just a last question to wrap things up um what's the best advice you've received from a female mentor i think it was it, this has been echoed quite a few times from several mentors is that once you have a spot at the table don't waste it a lot of people think that they're just a token female at the table so they don't want to disrupt anybody and they don't want to go out of their way to bring attention to themselves but that is honestly what you're there for you are there to create change so don't be afraid to speak up you really have to dig into your self-confidence once you have a seat at the table once you're at that boardroom table it is your responsibility to disrupt the future and really pull up other women and get other people there to help you in your mission as well Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really encourage everyone, all the females, to sign up for Flick. And if you're not a female, still connect with Michelle. She's an awesome person to talk to, and you can learn a lot from her. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Please follow us at WeAreFlick on any social media. And yeah, WeAreFlick.com. And that was Michelle Kwok. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and leave a review and let me know what you thought of this episode. And stay tuned for the next episode on Monday.